As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. There's this thing on, one, two, my check, one, two. Man, this is our city. This is our city, man. We did it, man. It's unbelievable. feel like Black Jesus. We've seen the story before. We've seen the story before. Welcome to The Athletic MBA Show. Monday through on The Athletic Podcast Network. Understand this guy's eye for talent. He drafted KD, Russ, Jeff Green, Serge Ibaka, Reggie Jackson. This is the best player on any team I was on. But if there was a buyout possibility, there was a trade possibility, I would always reach out to team. I, I called her something. You know, these long chases in which we must, when an absolute guarantee against over there, Sam Preston. He the MVP. Guess he wasn't in the email. Whose name was not in the email? Welcome to Point of Contention. Five subjects, five minutes, five points of contention coming up on the show. A brewing war in Los Angeles. Zion Lion, the dragon lands in Brooklyn. Adam Silver shuts the door on the press. And panic time in Phoenix. Happy Banana Bread Day, everybody. I'm Zach Harper. Jay Hoy is producing in this corner. From the hard streets of Springfield, Massachusetts. Longmeadow, Longmeadow. Celtics beat reporter and future author of the book, Mr. Softy, a guide to growing up in Longmeadow, Massachusetts. It's Jay, the kid of Peloton King. That's me. Jay, can you tell me exactly how many NBA players will be trained by a virtual reality metaverse hologram called coach nat what was that man that and why did it have shaq's voice like of all the people my role was to help coach train develop the next generation of nba talent it was adam silver as steve buscemi walking up to the internet and saying how do you do fellow kids 
What? That's all that was. There is no none of that stuff. Yeah, Shaq is the voice of a virtual coach. That's not happening. You know Chris Brickley and Drew Hanlon were watching that like, oh, man, I'm going to be able to hologram stressed. coach dudes one they day. They were stressed that they were getting <laughs> out, out-interneted by Adam Silver. <laughs> um, coach Nat. I don't know what that was, Coach man. Nat with Shaq's voice just hanging in the air. Awful. And he can fly? Yeah, I mean, why not? That's what I don't understand. I don't understand what this was. Yeah. All right. In this corner. From the sweet streets of New Orleans, Crescent City's finest Pelicans beat reporter and future author of the book, Big But Not So Easy, the Zion Williamson story, it's Will <laughs> Gillery. Will, what bird you got? The Pelican, the Eagle, or Larry? Oh, man. I, I got to go Pelican because that's the state bird, right? So I'm, I'm going to roll with Pelican, man. I'm, I'm just happy to be here making my point of contention debut. Uh, yeah, just trying man. to trying to have a, a, a rookie season that, that lasts a little bit longer than disease was. <laughs> Hopefully I can, I can make it more than a 20-something game, but we'll see. Yeah, well, luckily you're going against the Grey Golden of the pod and uh, Jay King here, so I think we'll be good. <laughs> cold-blooded. That was cold-blooded. Hey, speaking of wars brewing where they shouldn't, Jade, start the clock. Take one, Sam Presti. You're the real MVP. The big story over the weekend wasn't Michael Jordan hugging Luka Doncic like a giddy fifth grader, nor was it a baffling amount of time it took the 76 best NBA players of all time during halftime of the All-Star game. I think that might still be going. I think they're still trying to get a few guys in there. Last, it was LeBron James' future. The first shots were fired during a press conference on Saturday when James praised Oklahoma City's GM, Sam Presti, out of nowhere. Quote, the MVP over there is Sam Presti. He's the MVP, James said. Jay, play the tape. The MVP over there is Sam Presti. He's the MVP. I mean, Josh Giddy is great. Sam Presti, I don't understand. This guy's eye for talent. He drafted KD, Russ, Jeff Green, Sergi Baca, Reggie Jackson, um, Josh Giddy, and the list goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on on and on and on this guy's pretty damn good it followed with lebron's cryptic message to teams that he would be willing to come play with any team that drafts his son Bronny james is he can he is he is he he hasn't played is he healthy who's that hinting at a possible return to cleveland to boot whether for a season or merely a performative one-day contract. Yes, folks, the King put the Lakers on notice in what appears to be an intense power struggle between LeBron James, Clutch Sports, and general manager Rob Palenka. LeBron and company are reportedly unhappy about Palenka's inaction at the trade deadline. LeBron reportedly wanted Palenka to do something to undo the crap that he did in the offseason, but the GM was unwilling to part with the team's 2027 first-round pick. It's probably going to be a top three pick for what it looks like. The Athletics' Bill Orem added that a source told him the vibe within the organization feels like, quote, the early days of a war. That's so dramatic. I love it. I love it. We shall prove ourselves once more able to defend our iron home. To ride out the storm of war. Jay. The Lakers season looks to be coming to an end in disastrous fashion. Is LeBron's time with the Lakers coming to an end as well? I think the Lakers should blow it up. They should trade LeBron. They should trade Anthony Davis. 
they should replenish their draft picks because to me, obviously, those two guys are two of the best players in the league, still in LeBron's case. But I just don't see a path to contention. They don't have enough draft capital. They don't have any trade assets that people want unless you're a huge Taylor Horton Tucker guy. There's no reasonable path to them contending again, especially when you factor in that LeBron is not going to be getting better at this stage. I just think, I honestly think they need to consider blowing it up because I just don't know what other options will be available. Russell Westbrook, who they should want to move, I'm sure they do want to move, is a huge, huge minus. It kind of reminds me of the end of the the Rockets days with James Harden and Russell Westbrook, where everyone's trying to concoct ways for them to build out the supporting cast. And at some point, there's just nothing you can do. you got to step back and, and step away. Will, how excited are Pelicans fans over these Lakers picks right now? Because I feel like, uh, you know, this could be very fruitful for the Pelicans here. Now, Pelicans fans, I think, are just uh, joyous about any uh, failures on, on, on the part of the Lakers. They just want to see LeBron and AD take all the L, so they just en- <laughs> enjoying every bit of it. They probably won't even get the Lakers pick this year. Because it's probably going to Memphis as part of that uh, Jonas oh, Valanciunas right. trade, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I for one am just completely shocked that this is how this has turned out. Like, what LeBron forced a trade in the offseason, and now he's pointing the finger at the GM. Uh, we've never seen this before. <laughs> I, I, I know I'm completely shocked. Uh, but I mean, I just love me a good uh, dramatic metaphor in a sports story oh, where yeah. LeBron's the going to war, uh, he's war, putting his Everyone's armor and his shield on. Yeah. Is LeBron the guy who comes in on the horse with the sword? Is is he the guy that oh, comes in with the battle question. axe? Yeah. Uh, I don't. I think if I'm going to war, I want to be the bow and arrow guy. I want to be one of those guys oh, in the back with sure. the flaming bow yeah. and arrow. I think I'm one of those guys. I don't know about y'all. If you do not agree to my commands, then I shall. Should LeBron want to trade? Should he want to trade? No, no, no. That's not, guys, that's, come on. We got to be, we got to be realistic here. That's not LeBron's style. LeBron leaves teams in ruins. Ruins. And honestly, I think it's smart. Like, he left Miami really just out in the cold there. He left Cleveland out in the cold. And I think it's smart because why are you going to help the team you're leaving? That immediately becomes an opponent. Here's the difference. If he spends one more year in a situation where he's not going to win a title now at this age, these are very rare opportunities. Now his last chance is left. He's already squandered two years, two years, two years in L.A. They won a title. He's trying to get the scoring record, and he's trying to make movies. He doesn't give a shit about titles. I mean, he's... No, how about... Him convincing AD to come to LA. Hey AD, sign a max extension. We're we're gonna keep this thing we going forever. Yeah, we got you, and then AD. two years later, he's like, deuces, bro. Have fun yeah. with THT. Good <laughs> luck in the training room today. I'm just saying, if if I'm LeBron and I'm sitting there looking around, and, and my rotation includes Austin Reeves and Trevor Reeves' old ass, and next question. Russ, did you think uh, getting down 38, 21, 17 point deficit? to come back and, and make it a game down the stretch. Is that a good sign for the rest of the playoffs? Next question. God knows what else. Russell Westbrook, I'm looking around like, I need to get out of here. I need to go somewhere I can actually win. This is just, and and maybe, like you said, you know, he he's going to leave a place in ruins. Maybe he sticks it out. I just think for both sides, it would be better to move on. I think it's actually gotten to that point, which is crazy 
because, I mean, two years ago they won a title. Last year, I think if they had just stayed healthy, they would have had a chance. But they've mismanaged every single thing along the way, and now I just don't see any realistic path back. Next question. Here's my one plea. Leave Cleveland alone. Don't go over there and turn that into the LeBron show. Let them have their fun over there. Teasing Leave just Cleveland alone, yeah, LeBron. Let, let Garland yeah. and Mobley do that thing. Don't go over there and turn it into the LeBron thing. Hey, Cleveland, would you like to be would you like to be under 500? I'll come back. Let's do that because that's what it is right now. That's the weird thing, Will, to me, is that LeBron is having a phenomenal individual offensive season. And it's meaningless. That's the funny thing when he's like, hey, you want me on the team? You know, you better draft Bronny in, in that last year of my career. And I'm just like, yeah, you sell some tickets and you sell some jerseys. I don't think it's going to help you win, though, right now, because like that's proving to be less and less of the impact that he has. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's crazy to see how much this team has struggled, even when AD's been healthy. They, they've been struggling. I, I think it's yeah. just, you know, everybody wants to put their blame on Russ, and he deserves plenty of it. But I think you're right that uh, LeBron's impact just isn't felt as much as we've seen in the past, even though his number uh, numbers are outstanding. He's just not impacting the game as much. Uh, I mean, he's still impacted it in great ways, but not quite as much as we've seen in the past. To answer your question, definitely archer mm. like i want like one i've i've always thought i could be an olympic archer if i just applied oh. myself because i've only i only ever did it at like you summer day camps and i was archer. really i was really good your takes never have good aim i know that oh really <laughs> how'd the had the bubble heat do <laughs> well, huh? he's clinging to the bubble two heat years do? ago yeah, you damn I right. Mobile heat and they got they got waxed in the finals. Like that, that's that's your thing. Waxed in the finals and went six games. <laughs> what are you thing. talking about? I can see uh, Jay rolling through with the the ball with the spikes on it. You like you swing it on the. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, he would. <laughs> Jay would definitely Leroy Jenkins this thing. Just charge in when it wasn't the right time to do it, and then just claim like that was everybody else's fault. I was ready. I don't know what you guys are doing. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that's that's about yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take two, Lion Zion. This is definitely something. I, actually, this is this is a little bit insane to me. Um, there's a general uh, sort of decor decorum of behavior that you should apply as a teammate. I wasn't the best player on any team I was on. I wasn't the best player on any team. I was on. He a good screen on offense. Detonating on the rim. Williamson got to go. Oh, Zion Williamson has been missing from the court this season because of a foot injury, but according to ESPN's JJ Redick, Williamson has been absent as a teammate his entire time in the NBA, reacting to the news that Zion has not reached out to CJ McCollum, who was recently acquired at the trade deadline. Redick went on first take to berate his former teammate. Quote, this is a little bit insane to me. There's a general decorum of behavior that you should apply as a teammate. Jade, play the tape. This is basic, basic level of humanity being a teammate. Send a text to a guy when he gets traded to your team. That is just normal behavior. That's the bar minimum that you have to do. And the Pelicans yesterday sent out an email for season tickets for next year. Guess who wasn't in the email? Whose name was not in the email? We're sorry. Zion. Your call cannot be completed and dialed. Please check the number and dial again. This is a recording. Deny thy father and refuse thy name. 
Or if thou wilt not, be but sworn my love, and I'll no longer be a Capulet. Zions! Ouch! Williamson, who underwent foot surgery during the offseason, has yet to play this season. He has been rehabbing away from the team since early January. As we all know, Zion's desire to play for the Pelicans has been questioned fairly or unfairly since the 2019 draft lottery. Will, I believe you've done a little reporting on this subject. When can we expect Zion to either be moved to play or move to another team? Or maybe that's both. I don't know. Yeah, I think we're still a long way away from uh, him moving to a different team. I think the Pels aren't going to make that type of drastic move until they absolutely have to, and they still got the leverage in their court at this point, uh, especially with Z's, you know, health question marks going on right now. And I think that's the big thing right now is I don't think anybody has really a, a clear answer on when he's going to be back on the court or, or when he's going to be healthy enough to at least just get on a practice court. Uh, and, and, you know, for me, I, I'm just pretty shocked that uh, J.J. Redick has made this turn post-career, being the hot take guy yeah, man. on first take. Uh, <laughs> that's that's pretty shocking to see him go that way. But, I mean, I completely agree with him that it's ridiculous for Z to not hit up C.J. McCollum. We're talking about the dude that's the president of the Players Association, one of the most respected dudes in the league. And, and you mm-hmm. can't even, like, shoot him a text, say, hey, bro, go check out Drago's and get the char-grilled oysters. <laughs> or, you know what I mean? Like, that's the very least you could do okay, when a guy's coming in New Orleans, the continuing questions of does he actually want to play with this team? Does he want to win? It's wild because he hasn't actually played with this team. So how can you determine right. if you can win with a team? He's played zero minutes with Herb Jones, zero minutes with CJ McCollum, zero minutes with Jonas Valanciunas. Hasn't even gone through a full practice with Willie Green as his head coach. I mean, Zach, how you gonna hate from outside the club? You can't even get in. So, so. <laughs> it's, it's it's a it's a great it's a great question like i i feel like with zion like look i think this is a product of youth that decorum that that jj speaks of like i don't know how many young people who would have that responsibility on the franchise jay would then think like oh i guess i gotta welcome this dude to the team i don't even know if that's like reasonable to expect anymore but like i don't know how young people are. like he's what 21 years old I, I didn't know anything at 21 i don't know anything at 40 here's the part where where it's turned serious is so <laughs> Zion, his whole situation, because he's been away from the team, because he's gone through injury issues, because there's this whole mystery surrounding it. You don't really know where his body's at. You don't know how many pounds he weighs. You don't know. They're like, there's a lot of mystery around it. But for JJ Reddick to come out and, and say what he did and say that Zion was a detached teammate, JJ Reddick went to Duke where Zion went. J.J. Redick was a teammate of Zion's. And to me, the most interesting part of what J.J. said was that he actually addressed Zion about it when they were teammates in the locker room about how he was a detached teammate. And and that was when Zion was playing. That was when I assumed he was in the lineup. And J.J. was still looking at him like, bro, do you even want to be here? And, mm-hmm. and so I think J.J. in this case has a lot of credibility because there are a lot of reasons for him not to say something like that for him to sit there and and pretend like like it's cool what zion's doing and pretend like it's not a big deal and even as a duke guy even as a guy who played with zion he stood up and said he was a detached teammate and (laughs) and that like like that to me that that takes away some of the mystery from it and Mm -hmm. we've all been guessing like what does zion really want to be there does he is he not a part of it moving forward and right now it seems like he's not and and that's that's sad because 
he's really a guy who has the talent to become one of the faces of the NBA. And yeah. and he just hasn't approached things right early in his career. Two things. One, apparently Zion did reach out after CJ brought it up on a podcast and it became a deal, right? So apparently Zion has reached out since then. So I don't know if that's... I don't know if that fixes the issue or not. Like, probably not. But two, it is a little funny, Will, that like JJ, who was like, yo, I don't want to be here. Get me out of here, please. Um, I hear, I like you said to Brooklyn, is the one going like, hey, man, you're not you're not dedicated to this team. And I do like they're very different situations, but I do find that to be a little a little funny. Yeah, I would say JJ definitely qualified as a detached teammate as well. If you watch some of those games he played last season. <laughs> uh, but I think one more thing Jay also left out is that Zion's a fellow CAA guy with uh, with JJ Reddick. So those guys have a lot mm-hmm. of connections. They're, they're, they, JJ knows him really well off the court. So I, I think you're exactly right for him to come at Zion yeah. the way he did and on a public forum. I, I think it says a lot uh, about not only JJ's frustration with the situation, but a lot of people's frustration around this situation just a lack of communication and that's what i wrote in my story today on the athletic go check it out quick plug he just needs to control his narrative just speak up and say something i think he's just been so silent throughout this situation and we just got finished talking about lebron james a guy who has master control over his narrative and everything going on his career and zion's the complete opposite right now he's just He's just AWOL with all of this. He's got nothing to say. He, he, the most we've got out of him out of since uh, media day is a statement uh, <laughs> when he announced that he was leaving the team to go train on his own. So I think he's got to do a better job just controlling his own narrative, speaking up for himself and letting it be known how he feels rather than people around Zion Williamson or people familiar with Zion Williamson. He's got to speak up for himself. And that's going to be the, the, the thing that allows him to kind of take control of the situation moving forward. And there's still tons of time. Like, he still has a ton of time to get his body right. He has a ton of time to to get things right with New Orleans. But the start to his career has been, like, just just sad, honestly. Because when he's on the court, he's he's a murderer. He was shooting, like, 70% Unbelievable. on twos or something. Unbelievable. Yeah. It's a joke. And like running point guard at 280 at years pounds old. or whatever. Like he was 20 just, years just old. Just a joke what he can do. Uh, that You just want him to figure it out. And, and New Orleans has done a lot wrong early in his career. I, I think Dave mismanaged this too. So they're not blameless. Um, but the it seems clear that he hasn't approached things right, especially you know with, with the, the weight of J.J. Redick behind the statement that he said. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. JJ's a CAA guy. I wonder how he got on TV for ESPN. Take three. The <laughs> dragon lands in Brooklyn. The big domino of this year's buyout market fell as free agent guard Goran Dragic has reportedly agreed to sign with the Nets. The driving factor, according to NBA insider Mark Stein, Goran Dragic wanted to play for head coach Steve Nash. Who doesn't? Former coach Eric Spolster told the Miami Herald that while he was sad to see Dragic traded for Kyle Lowry in the offseason, quote, at the end of the day, this is a bottom line business. It's about winning, end quote. Another spoism that doesn't really mean anything. And winning will be what Dragic and the Nets will be doing now with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Ben Simmons in the fold. 
More good news for the Nets. According to Shams Charania, New York City has a plan to phase out the vaccine mandate in the coming weeks, at which point Kyrie Irving will be cleared for home games and becomes a full-time player. Jay, did the Nets seal up the Eastern Conference with these latest two moves and the news of Kyrie being free to play in home games? No, I, I still don't think there's anything concrete about the way they'll play. I, I want to see how they use Ben Simmons. I, I want to see what type of shape he's in. I want to see how he fits. Are they going to play him as a center? Like, I, I think that's possible. Like, what, three of their six best players are 6'2 and shorter in Kyrie, Patty Mills, Goran Dragic now. So I have questions about whether they can defend at a high level. I have questions about... You know what what Simmons will look like in playoff time. I, I have a lot of questions about how this will fit together, but obviously the top end talent is, is ridiculous. The the shooting, if Joe Harris comes back and you've got Joe Harris, Patty Mills, and Kyrie Irving is just stupid. Um, and and you KD wonder, might be the fourth best like, shooter on that team, which is insane <laughs> to think about. Like that's nuts. No, Patty, no. Joe Harris. I'm just talking like no, three point don't shooting. Disrespect KD. Kyrie, like, that. like those are three unbelievable shooters. Maybe stand like standstill three point shooting. Maybe oh, you're yeah. right. Well, I mean, but, I don't think Joe Harris is going to do a lot of off the dribble work here. Yeah, none of those guys. Are, know, he, <laughs> what he's been working on when he's been. None out. of those guys are hitting the shot that uh, KD hit uh, that was supposed to beat the Bucks in the playoffs last exactly. year. Exactly. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, I think we're all just like, this is all good stuff, Will, but like, we're just waiting for KD to come back, right? Because oh, it doesn't no matter doubt. if KD's not 100%. No doubt. And I think that the bigger story today was for Brooklyn was the, the fact that maybe Kyrie's going to be able to play home games. Uh, <laughs> I think that's the, the more of the game changer. No disrespect to Dragic. But I think, you know, we couldn't take this team seriously at all going into the playoffs unless we knew Kyrie could actually play in the games that mattered. And, mm-hmm. you know, when they're at home, they, they, they're going to need those games, especially if they're going in as like a seven or eight seed, which looks like this is the most likely scenario right now. So I think that's huge news uh, Mm -hmm. for them to to have Kyrie playing full time, possibly. And also I agree with you. The first Jay, the first thing I wrote down when y'all sent the topics was man, this team is way too small to play against the bucks. (laughs) You, you look at that, that that group they're going to put out there, Patty Mills, Dragic, Kyrie, Joe Harris, I think all of those guys are too small for Chris Middleton, and they're probably too small for for Drew Holiday as well. Drew's a point monster, guard. man. Yeah, Drew. Yeah, so <laughs> never mind. Yeah, yeah, Drew's, yeah, a, exactly. Drew's a six-two power forward, man. Like Drew is like. <laughs> don't let them get switched on to Giannis, and I think I'll add this to the to the list. They're too small for Cleveland. If you put those guys in a switch against Evan Mobley or Kevin Love, they're going to get roasted. So I think uh, they got to add one more big wing guy. I think losing DeAndre Bembry was big for them. I think yeah. I'm probably the first person to ever say that on planet earth. Losing DeAndre <laughs> Bembry was big, uh, but I, yeah, I just think they need to add a little bit more size. They got to get KD back in the mix, of course, but uh, it's huge. So we can't undersell how big it is that they're going to be able to play Kyrie in home games. Cause that that's the only way they had any chance. And now uh, they've got some hope, uh, you know, once the big seven footer comes back. Jay, I, I have a little bit of a question, and I don't know if this is load management era infecting my brain, but I immediately thought when I saw the the news about the vaccine mandate was like, okay, but like, is Kyrie going to be okay to play all the time now, right? Because he has an injury history, like he misses a lot of time. And so not that it was better for him to only be available for road games, but I do wonder like if there's some complication in ramping him up to being a full-time player or if that's just overthinking it. Well, I I think that's probably overthinking it. Like, 
a, a, a lot of his a lot injuries. Of time, been, man, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's he definitely hasn't been an 82 game player even before he decided to take off home games. But you know, t- to me, that's part of the reason why losing James Harden like just increased or decreases your margin for error. Before, if one of your guys gets hurt, you got two left. Mm-hmm. And Ben Simmons is not a number two. Like in a playoff setting, you can't have him be your your second best go to scorer at the end of a game. And, and so now, you know, if Kyrie does get hurt, they're not going to have enough talent. Whereas, versus last year, if they had just stayed two of them I'll healthy, this. I think they beat the Bucs. I think they have a good Goran's chance really of winning good, a championship. I know, like, you want to dismiss yes. the, well, he, the heat he in the been. bubble. When's the last time he played basketball? He's 35 oh, he now. His, I get his, it. Defense, like he, his defense has fallen off. You want to talk and about I, guys with injury histories? Sure. Uh, is up for there sure. Well. But he he's a guy that can, like, get into anywhere in the defense, right? Like, he can, like he's great at dribble penetration. He's great in the pick and roll. He's great just breaking a guy down, and he's one of the best finishing guards in the NBA. Like he, he is someone that if he stays healthy, let's say they do drop Kyrie um, to injury or whatever. Like, I do think like, that's a very, that's a way more capable backup than like, Oh, let's see if Patty Mills can run the point. Right. Like, I mean, Goran, Goran's really good. Agreed. But I think it's also, it's interesting. They went after him because obviously he was the best buyout guy on the market. The most talented guy, the guy who's been the biggest difference maker, but he's also not a good fit for their roster. Like, like we said, they're just going to be super small. Better fit than Javon Carter was. Well, like. of course, just because he's better and they the, play the same the position. Best, but like, but I'm saying, if you could have gone out and gotten a difference making wing, who like a, a Gary Harris type, and shit, maybe they still can. Um, right. But those are those are the types yeah. I would have prioritized over a Goran Dragic. Um, By the way, even Gary though Harris Goran is Dragic is, you know, the the most talented guy on that market. Gary Harris, really good defender. He's like maybe six four. So it still wouldn't help their size, but he at least he at least he can defend. Like that's Bruce for sure. You know, he could defend up a little bit yeah. though, and and I just think the biggest thing is that as long as there aren't any insurrections from now until June, uh, I think uh, Kyrie's sister's birthday already passed, so there's nothing to worry about. He'll be there for the rest of the game. Yeah, you don't know when there's going to be an art exhibit that he's got to attend. Uh, but you guys didn't really agree with me on the Goron thing, so take four. Get these guys out of here, Jay, Jay, and Will. I'm talking about you guys. Get out of here. Speaking to reporters during NBA All-Star Weekend, Commissioner Adam Silver agreed with me, confirmed the worst fears of credential media as COVID-19 restrictions begin to wane throughout the country. The press no longer welcome the locker room, kind of. You know, I don't really understand what Adam Silver was saying. Like, he was all over the place with this. Quote, I think creating a bit of distance may make more sense for the foreseeable future, said Adam Silver. Jade, play the tape. I also think it's a bit of an anachronism to have reporters um, in the actual room where players are dressing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, baby. Yeah. I mean, it, it used to be, for those who have been around a while, in the old days it was about female reporters. And we all got past that issue. It was ridiculous, it was discriminatory, and made no sense. And at least from my standpoint, I never hear about those issues anymore. I think it's different now. I think there are different expectations of privacy. At the same time, I recognize we have to create an environment where you all can do your job. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, Adam Silver's comments were muddled, but they were also unintentionally revealing as Ethan Strauss wrote on his Substack, House of Strauss, quote, The current commissioner seems more enamored with abstract distractions than in selling the game's ground-level reality. Absent media pressure to this point, Adam Silver has turned into a human TED Talk. Jade, played that tape. Two sentences of a conversation between me and, and, and Harrison Barnes, where we've got a running joke about something, using a certain name for something, and then they're like, oh, they, they use an epithet or whatever, and it's, that's the problem. And I think that is a valid concern, Ethan. I think it is. I don't think it's as big as they make out, but they, just should, they should just admit it. You know, you don't want me in the locker room, Adam Silver. Just admit it. That's the reason. It's not that big, that, of, that's big a of a deal. That's a tough thing for Adam to admit. The problem is that if people see or hear what our players are saying, it will completely shatter the image that we're trying to broadcast to the world. I mean, that's a difficult thing for him to say. As the saying goes, don't ever let a good crisis go to waste. This is from Mark Spears of ESPN. It's insulting to say NBA reporters are standing around in the locker room watching players dress. Before the pandemic, many relationships between NBA players and media were built during that 30 to 45 minute period. If the players don't want to talk, they don't have to. All this coming from a man, perhaps a reptilian. I don't know. I don't know what we're saying. I don't know who is taking over Adam Silver saying that we're just standing around watching dudes dress. Dazzled absolutely nobody with that Coach Nat thing, by the way. I mean, we got to get rid of I can't stress enough how bad Coach Nat was as a, <laughs> as a tech summit reveal. Jade, play that tape. Holy cow. I mean, I we'd heard a lot about him during the pandemic, but I'd never stood next to him. My role was to help coach train, develop, the next generation of NBA talent. I know all the best moves and am untethered by one single dimension. I can even make a free throw. Before you leave, anything else you can do that you want to show the audience? I can even be the real Superman. All right, Will, what is happening? Does the NBA keep this policy in place indefinitely? And is it fair to the fans? to limit some of that coverage and access yeah i think i think i have to start off with the adam silver comments was just so confusing to me because he uh, said it like three times he said like, it like three times so like lost. we guys just watching like, him dress like no we're not you no, actually think not. reporters are in there staring at guys for the most part players aren't even in the locker room in, when we're in there they avoid it exactly at each other, waiting for someone to say hey by the way Devonte graham's available like that's what we're doing <laughs> Exactly. We're all standing around talking to each other, looking at scores from other games and stuff. I, I promise I'm not staring at Brandon Ingram while he's putting on his socks while I'm in the <laughs> locker room. That's not what I'm doing in there. But no, I, I don't want to be the the media guy complaining about access because, you know, most of the time fans don't actually care. But I right. do think that there's value in us being in the locker room and having conversations about with these guys that don't have anything to do with basketball. Like That's an essential part of the job is being able to talk these guys talk to these guys about just normal life being like hey are you watching snowfall tonight did you listen to the new little dirk album like you, there's so much stuff you could talk to and get to know these guys where they're more comfortable talking to you about their actual job whereas right now it feels like so many of these conversations we have with these guys is kind of all right turn the camera on yes yeah. uh one day at a time you yeah. know what i mean it, hey what did you like, think the, yeah. hey did you think the fans added anything for your effort tonight like how great how great were those fans like it's just yeah. BS talk like a little that. bit about the third quarter push right you know it's <laughs> like it's like you sometimes you just want to have real conversations with these dudes and that, and that makes the job easier for everybody not just us it makes the job easier for those guys because they can actually walk into the to the locker room and actually know who we are know what our names are know 
where we came from, you know, why do, why do we wear the shoes that we wear? You know, all that kind of stuff, it, it helps. And I think just, just keeping it to the, to the press conference room, while it's better than it was last year, I never want to go back to a Zoom age. Dude, uh, yeah. it, it, it's, it still takes a little bit away from the coverage. And I think, and it's an important aspect of, again, we're covering the NBA. Fans care about these guys so much more than what they're doing on the court. They care about their personality, what they're doing away from the game. And, and we don't get access to that stuff as much when we can only talk to them about and there's basketball. so there's so much you can glean from being in the locker room like right. like the last year Kyrie was in Boston you step in that locker room one time and you knew like it just wasn't right things just weren't right you could just feel from being there and the sage and and obviously like that's not the most important part the most important part is being able to like Will said just develop relationships with these guys so that when you ask them difficult questions about stuff, they're more willing to tell you the truth or they're, they're able to open up to you right now. All the interactions we have with guys or most, almost all the interactions we have with guys are just in a press conference on zoom and, and it's all business and, and there's a huge interpersonal aspect that that's been missing because we haven't been allowed at practice because we haven't been allowed in locker rooms and the coverage. Yeah. I mean, Got, we've tried to hide it as best we can, but the coverage has been seriously <laughs> lacking since since the shutdown when Rudy Gobert well, like like it's just totally different. Yeah, Jay, I will say this, and I and I brought this up a little bit on Basket Buds on Monday, but I do wonder, I genuinely wonder, like if fans care. I'm sure there are some do, but the overall like casual fan, I wonder if they give a shit about that like it obviously matters to us and we know what that means for the coverage right we know what that means to develop those relationships but as long as like they get to watch the highlights they get to you know hear about like oh the fans gave us a boost tonight and and they get to you know hear positive things about about the nba like i do wonder if there's almost this um this idea from the league directly or indirectly of like it's nothing but positive stuff. Like, you know, we, we would rather that coming out of the teams in the locker rooms than, than, you know, potential criticism. Like I, I do think the casual fan is probably more in tune with that idea um, because they don't like the criticism. Right. Like, I, like I, I think that that, I think that possibility exists and, but, and in but that it's sense, all the I think good stuff they, too. they would listen it, to us talk about this and go like, guys are being babies. Who it's cares? not just the criticism. It's all the good stuff too. It's, it's, oh, it's writing sure. a story yeah. no, about oh, yeah. this thing that, that separates a guy, uh, this personality trait, or this great thing he's doing in the community that, that maybe you overheard a conversation in the locker room, or maybe he was just chatting with you in the locker room about it. And, mm-hmm. and there's so much stuff like that, that we've missed because we haven't been at practices. We haven't been in locker rooms. Um, like I, I remember just sitting there and, Javante Green would just he he could do a Rubik's cube and and so someone he's he was saying he could do a Rubik's cube someone brought in the Rubik's cube he was just doing a Rubik's cube and and stuff like that <laughs> like like that's interesting and that stuff fans care about that we never would have had if we weren't in the locker room and and honestly like we're not obtrusive in the locker room like they probably let too many guys in I <laughs> I I think so not probably th- th- yeah so <laughs> yes and, and Josh Robbins is probably gonna be mad at me for for saying this um but cut that, cut that, let, cut that. let fewer people in and let guys who need to be there for their jobs and we're not obtrusive we're we're in there to do work and we're in there some to cultivate relationships and we're in there to to help you know make it so that we can work with these guys better 
I'm I'm lucky that the Celtics have a lot of holdovers or a number of holdovers with guys that I've known in the past. The the new players on the team I barely know, and that's a huge challenge when you're covering someone you barely know that they don't know you. They they, they see you you know in a press conference and and that's it. And and that's a huge yeah. huge problem I think um, that really limits the coverage and it, it limits stuff that fans care about a lot and it. I don't think a lot of people realize like the beat writers are the ones that a lot of the time our quotes are the stuff that comes up that's debated on all the shows, whether it's on this show right now, whether it's on another show on ESPN, whether it's on another show, wherever else. It's like all the stuff that comes up and is debated comes from beat writers for the most part. And and so maybe that's the part of the Adam Silver is overlooking, too. The more we can yeah. get from these guys, the more there is to talk about and the better topics there are to discuss. And I thought Jay brought up a great point talking about Javante Green because I think something we missed not being in the locker room is just talking to some of these guys who don't play, right? When you're doing press conferences Mm -hmm. only, basically every game, I'm sure, Jay, y'all are requesting Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown, some combination for our games where we're requesting Brandon Ingram or CJ McCollum most of the time. But when you get to go in the locker room, I can't tell you how how much stuff I learned about Anthony Davis from talking to Alfred Payton, you know, off the record, talking to Etuan Moore off the record and you don't get that when you're talking in press conference if anything those guys come in they never talk so they're they're nervous about saying something they shouldn't say in front of the camera and then you end up getting nothing from those guys where if you walk in there's so many times i walked into the pelicans locker room and talked to alfred payton for like 10 20 minutes and didn't even turn on my recorder and and didn't want to turn on my recorder just chopping it up about new orleans whatever and you learn stuff just from getting to know guys and some of these guys who never play. Uh, but they're part of the team as well. And they know stuff and, and they want to share stuff. And, I mean, I, somebody told me this a long time ago that it doesn't matter what job you go, you work for. Uh, people love to complain about their boss. <laughs> and they love to complain about their coworkers. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're an NBA player, you work at the athletics. So if you walk in and they see a familiar face and, and hey, I, I want to complain about Evan Gentry. Let me go chop it up a wheel real quick. <laughs> And we get stuff like we used to get stuff like that all the time. And now it's just non-existent because we only talk to the star players or the guy who had 20 uh, after the game. And those, you know, conversations just don't exist. And maybe that's why teams are in favor of it, would be in favor of it, because after a game, we only get the players who had good games. We don't get the guys who screw up. They're in charge of that. They don't want to give us access. Like that's that's the thing. Like they don't want to give us access. They feel like they have to. And and, that, and you take that away. That, yeah. Like that. That's a real void when you can't get the guy who missed a shot with five seconds left. You can't get. There's a lot of circumstances where you know a guy goes three for twenty one. Star goes three for twenty one. Oh, we don't get him. You know. Mm-hmm. The early stages of a war is brewing between the media and the NBA. It's not just in LA with the Lakers power struggle. The war is brewing. You, you could sit down with Grant Williams and he's a super sharp dude. And he would tell you what was going on with different strategies. And he would tell you like why this works, why that works. Back when Evan Turner was with the Celtics, he was probably the most interesting, funny character the Celtics have had during my time. Nowadays, he was a sixth man, seventh man. We wouldn't even be talking to him. Like we, we wouldn't have had a chance to get to know an awesome character who I, I think a lot of fans loved because, you know, the the stuff that he would say in the press, how funny he was. It really limits the the amount of talking to, to the guys that are the stars, and, and that's sad. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful design objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless, modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and Cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Don- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. I'm going to limit the talking on this segment because it's gone on very long. So we go to take five. Chris Paul down. Suns panic. Suns Chris Paul will be reevaluating six to eight weeks for an avulsion fracture in his right thumb. Six weeks would mean he's returning with five regular season games to go. The injury could be a massive blow to a Suns team with the league's best record. Paul averaging 14.9 points and a league leading 10.7 assists for the currently 48-win Suns, hurt his thumb during the third quarter last week in a win over the Rockets. During his media availability on Saturday, Paul was asked about his injury while he did his best to evade it. He admitted it was frustrating. So, Jay, is it much ado about nothing because of the Suns and their cushion over the Warriors in the Western Conference? And this injury could actually be a blessing in disguise to give everybody else some time on the court and give him the much-needed rest heading into the playoffs? Or... Is this cause for concern in the desert? I don't think it's too much cause for concern. The 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 thing that would concern me the most if if I were on Phoenix right now is just the timeline of it. You know, if if he has a setback, all of a sudden he could be missing time in the playoffs, and and that's when it could become an issue. I, I still don't think this Phoenix team will miss a beat from this. Um, they have enough of a cushion; they'll still probably be the w- number one seed by the time Chris Paul gets back. They're enough of a machine. They're the best executing team in the NBA, to, to me at least. And and I don't see this changing that. Whenever Chris Paul gets back, they're, they're going to be able to hop right back into that. The The problem is, you know, if, if it is on the eight week, closer to the eight weeks, if it, 
extends beyond eight weeks and and he has some sort of setback, then then maybe that'll be an issue in the playoffs. But I just think this team has so much depth they'll be over to come it. They have so much defense they'll be over to be able to overcome it. And by the time Chris Paul gets back, like it'll be totally fine. Yeah, well, it's like like even if it was the eight weeks for Chris Paul, like okay, so now he doesn't get to play in the sweep of the Lakers in the first round. Like I don't know that there's going to be a a big deal here for them. Like I I look at it as like as long as it's healed when he gets back and he it's not a reoccurring problem. Like I personally don't think it's an issue, but maybe I'm wrong there. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I think they got a big enough cushion for the one seed where they'll be fine. Uh, we've seen them play okay without CP. Uh, like you said, I think that they'll probably destroy whoever they get in that first round series, whoever makes it out of the playing tournament. Uh, so I think they they don't really need a healthy CP probably until they get to the second round. So I think they'll be fine and he'll have plenty of time to get rested up before that second round gets here. Uh, but to me, I, I think the most interesting part of him being out this long, it has nothing to do with CP or Devin Booker. I want to see DeAndre Ayton uh, mm-hmm. over these next six to eight weeks because he's a guy who's telling everybody that he deserves a max contract and the Phoenix Suns elected to not give him that max, max contract. And now we're going to see for the next few weeks what does life look like in Phoenix post Chris Paul? If Devin Booker and and DeAndre Ayton are your two best players, how good are you? Are you a real contender to win the West? Or are you more like a four or five seed? And I think we get to see that now. And, and we've watched all season in the storyline attached to this uh, this Phoenix team. But well, at least for guys, nerdy guys like me, is man CP makes all of these centers look so good. Mm-hmm. Bismack Biombo, Jalen Smith. Frank Comiskey, it doesn't matter who they put at center. CP makes them look good. And now CP's gone. So what does DeAndre Ayton look like when he's kind of on his own and has to create his own offense at least a little bit more often? So I think that's going to be super interesting because when you're talking about team building and what the West is going to look like for the next four to five years, I think that DeAndre Ayton question is going to be a big one in Phoenix if they pay him all that money or if they move on and decide to go elsewhere at the center position, I think it's a big question. And I think these next six to eight weeks is going to be a big time for him to prove what kind of player he can be and what type of leader he can be for that Phoenix squad, you know, cause CP is not going to be there forever. So yeah. eventually it's got to be, you know, the Devin Booker and Aiton show and, and just how far can those two guys take them? Yeah. I, to plug something of my own on the athletic, I did a breakdown of post players. I did a breakdown of pick and roll bigs and Deandre Ayton was top five in both those top five post player this year, top five pick and roll guy. Also top five, number one pick and roll guy, JaVale McGee. A lot of those pick and rolls are with Chris Paul running the show. And so, you know, they do have a Cameron Payne who, who did well with those guys, but he's been out with a wrist injury. You know, Devin Booker is a, a capable playmaker. Like they bring in Aaron holiday. They have Alfred Payton. Like they do have point guard depth, Jay, like you mentioned, but a lot of that success from Aiton, you know, I think you would probably chalk that up to Chris Paul's putting him in position to, you know, to succeed there. And so how does that look when Chris Paul gets removed for a month or two? Yeah, and I want to see Devin Booker, too, because Chris Paul, as good as Devin Booker is, Chris Paul is often the one running the show. He, he's the one getting guys in the right spots. He's the one making sure they've executed like they have. Their their fourth quarter numbers, their clutch numbers are just ridiculous. And it's good that they have been because that's what's given them the cushion they have in the Western Conference where they, they should be able to stay in the, the top seed. But now now Chris Paul's gone. And so it's on Devin Booker now to to make sure that that team is organized, that that guy like DeAndre Ayton is still getting the lob opportunities and, and all that stuff to get him going, that Jay Crowder and Bridges are getting the, the right opportunities for those guys because they're not guys who are going to create for themselves very often. 
And so I think there's just a lot on Devin Booker's shoulders now over the next six to eight weeks because there's a huge void of playmaking. They're not like a ton of those other teams where everyone they have is a top playmaker. They're pretty much built around the fact that Chris Paul and Devin Booker are going to create most of everything for them or at least like start the attack on on most plays. And so now having one of those two guys out, there's a lot on Devin Booker and I think he's ready for it. Like that dude is really freaking good. He was a good playmaker the year before Chris Paul got there. And so I don't know, maybe, maybe it looks like Devin Booker should be the full-time lead guard. Maybe we're in the early stages of a war in Phoenix. Maybe there's a war in Phoenix. There's a war in LA. There's just a war everywhere in the NBA, the early days of it. As we try to decide, are we archers? Are we cavalry? What are we? Are you the guy that just stands in the field holding up the flag, which that was a weird high risk, low reward. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's why you do do the (laughs) archery, man. You fire off an arrow. You just have to fire into the sky. You don't even like, it doesn't even matter if you hit, if you hit your own guys, like they're just like, Hey, that's the cost of those guys going in. Like, we'll just fire that thing in the sky and then you just hide behind a tree. And you wait for it, like, all right, we're going to shoot another one. You just fire it back in the sky. I feel like That's I could kind move. of be like a Tyrion Lannister type, you know, like like just devising the plans to take down yeah, civilizations. Yeah, I could definitely, get, I could definitely get drunk and just sleep with women and and then pretend to, like, run things. Yeah, I could do that. I could definitely be a Tyrion Lannister type of person. Yeah, I, I think I would just out, outsmart people in the battlefield. I would outsmart the people on my side so that I didn't have to go fight. That's what I would do. I think that's the, that's the most. Yeah. And then just occasionally be like, you guys know I love archery. I'll just do My that. own side would probably just like end up shooting an arrow through my, they'd be so sick of me. They just <laughs> turn around and boom. Do you think it's possible like, oh, to cheddar my bo- bad, Do you think it's possible to cheddar box <laughs> yourself like, Sorry, I didn't see you there. <laughs> I can see a bunch of people at The Athletic absolutely doing that. Speaking of The Athletic, that's going to do it for this week's Point of Contention. Don't forget to subscribe to The Athletic Podcast Network. All the shows on there. We got, uh, let's see, anything is potable, no dunks, glue guys, Warriors plus minus, down to dunk, Sixers beat, forum club, game notes, and Michelle Beadle's podcast. What did I miss with Michelle Beadle every Tuesday and Thursday? For Will, for Jay, for Jade, I'm Zach. Keep it locked in on The Athletic and subscribe for crying out loud. Coach Nat, rather than communicate by Zoom, to come down on the stage and demonstrate to everyone what you're able to do at these clinics. Holy cow. I mean, I, we've heard a lot about him during the pandemic, but I've never stood next to him. My role is to help coach train, develop the next generation of NBA talent. Here's my second plan. Back in the 60s, I developed a weather-changing machine, which was in essence a sophisticated heat beam, which we called a laser. Using these lasers,